0: We want to wait well. So please, show us what that looks like this morning. And as we just saw in this drama, Lord, show us how to incorporate that idea even into our Christmas traditions. Help us understand your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning again and Merry Christmas. I forgot to mention that uh, we will have a Christmas Eve service. That will be at uh, 5 o'clock Christmas Eve if you'd like to come to that. So you need to know this. Uh, Oh, and one more thing. One more thing I was going to say. Uh, Tomorrow is my 13th anniversary. So, uh, you know, happy anniversary to Christy and I. Uh, Anyway. Just wanted to say that. Thirteen years ago, I was dying to get out of a smelly dorm room and uh, <laughs> to room with a much better smelling person. For sure. For sure. So, what's that? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Anyone that's been in college can appreciate that. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, all right. So you need to know this about uh, this, this sermon on expectancy, expecting Jesus, waiting. Uh, you know, we have some awesome dramas, as you can see. And I, I just crack up every Sunday. And, and, and I know, it's just hilarious what we're doing up here. Uh, with the dramas come, like, suggested passages to preach from. In other words, with the drama, I received a whole sermon that I could just just preach and this one was really interesting. I mean, usually I read the sermon that they give to see if it has some good insight or some good helps. This one was really interesting because uh, expectancy was the story of the shepherds. The shepherds! Uh, they're, they're the ones, and as, as the sermon was written, you know, that I was given, they're the ones that are in the field and the angel appears to them. And and, and they're they're terrified. And the angel says, you know, go and find the baby. You know, he'll be born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. This is the sign. And then they all get excited and they go looking for baby Jesus. You know, now that that fits pretty well with the idea of hiding Jesus in the manger scene. By the way, maybe that ought to be your new tradition, right? I mean, that would be a fun tradition. If we all did it next year, that would be hilarious. Facebook page, I could see it. But um, this is interesting because... Um, I'm reading this, going. The shepherds are not expecting anything, but smelly sheep all night. They're not expecting angels. They're shocked. They're surprised. They're not the ones waiting. I mean, maybe in a sense they were waiting for the Messiah, but, but the scripture paints them as common, everyday, terrified people. Like, what is this? They're not like, well, of course there's an angel and of course there's a baby. You okay, know, uh, they're just shocked fortunately, we do have two people who give us an example of people who were waiting for the Messiah to be born. They were waiting. And they actually serve as the prototype, as the example. Here's how you wait. Advent is about waiting, right? It's us joining with a whole lot of other people in the past that were waiting for the Messiah to be born. And even though you may not be Jewish, and you may not have lived in the first century, and you may not live under Roman occupation, and have a guy named Herod as your king, you can identify with these people. You can join them. Every Christmas season, you get to wait for Jesus to be born, even though you know He was born. You get to join two people who serve as our examples of how you wait. Would you look at them? One is Simeon and the other is Anna. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Would you look at that passage with me? Luke chapter 2, verse 25. If you'd like to take notes, there are some in your bulletin. Actually, we'll back up to verse 21 so you get the whole context. Luke 2.21, this is after Jesus' birth. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting, there's our word, waiting. The Greek word is prosdecomai, waiting for the consolation or the comforting of Israel. which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and his sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were, and there's our word again. It's not translated waiting here. It's translated looking forward, prosdecomai, looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So the word is used twice as prosdecomai, to wait, or it could be translated to look forward to something. And it's used twice in this passage, once in the area of Simeon and once for Anna, meaning these are people who are waiting for the Christ. They're waiting for the Messiah. Be like them. Follow in their footsteps. Only we're not waiting for for Messiah to be born, we're waiting for Him to return on a white horse to trumpet blasts. That's what we're waiting for. And so Christmas is a time, Advent is a time for us to learn how to wait well. Expectancy is about waiting well. They were waiting on the consolation of Israel, I'd like to show you what they were waiting for. Would you keep your finger in loop, but look back at Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 shows what they were waiting for. They were waiting for this comfort, this consolation of Israel. They, they were thinking, in other words, they were thinking about passages like this one. This is what Simeon and Anna were focused on. One of the passages at least. Isaiah 41 says, that would be 40, verse 1, says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And so we know Israel was still in hard service. They were in bondage to Rome. And they weren't slaves, but but they Rome ruled. They they weren't free. Comfort God's people. And then it says, verse 3, "...a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain." and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The glory of God is coming. So, so, so get ready for that. And they were getting ready. They, they Not everybody, of course, and certainly not Herod and others like him. The religious leaders weren't getting ready, but there were people in the temple that Simeon talked to, that Anna talked to, and they were getting ready. And of course you know the individual that that epitomized this verse, these verses, is John the Baptist. He got people ready. Repent. Even religious leaders were starting to repent and say, man, this guy, he is, he is, he is preaching fire. He's cra- crazy guy in the wilderness. He was leveling mountains, making paths straight for Jesus' coming. And John said something like this, verse 6, A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid, says the towns of Judah. Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms, carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Do you see the tender picture of Jesus' return? Well, it's not only tender though, it's also powerful. I mean, verse 10, He's going to come back and His arm's going to rule. He's bringing this reward or this this judgment with Him. He's going to judge the earth, and yet for His people, for His sheep, He gathers them up. So so mixed in with this Christmas consolation idea is Jesus' return for us. He's coming with power to rule. It's all mixed in together. So, so Christmas is about expectancy. Advent is about expectancy. And expectancy is about waiting well, waiting the right way. I don't know how you wait. I don't wait well. I remember uh, being at uh, Disney World a few years back, and I'm in line for Space Mountain, right? Right? And it's a long line, and I was by myself, so there was no accountability for me in that line. And I'm frustrated, and I I know my family's out here waiting for me to get done with the line. And as I'm in the long line, I notice that there was, you know, you know how you, know you go to Six Flags or any of those places and, and the lines just wind and wind and wind and wind and wind and you're kind of looking down thinking, I wonder how far that winds, you know? And then you see like a, a wall and you're like, oh, I think it goes around the wall. That might not be good. And you know, you're telling yourself all these things, you know, like how long is the line? And uh, as I was moving forward in the line, I came to a spot and there was a section that should have been uh, marked off with a chain, But the chain was like down. And I'm looking at this spot, and I notice this spot actually leads right towards the front of the line. If I just hop into that line that's that's unchained, I didn't do that. Disney must have done that for me. (laughs) I could just go into that spot, and suddenly I'm in the front of the queue. I'm like right there. And so I'm debating this, and I'm kind of looking around to see who's watching me, and there's people everywhere, of course. Certainly I could just slip in like I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at that, looking like I know what I'm doing, like right now. And, uh, and just slip in like I know what I'm doing and get in line and get to the front, and uh, I'm good. And no one's with me. There's no, there's no kids to say, Dad, what did you do? That was cheating. You, 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 what do they say? You, uh, you, it's not that you cut. What do they say? You, you budged? Yeah, yeah, you have a lot of words for it. Okay. Uh, you budged, or you cut, or you did something bad. And uh, they'll never know. And I could just get out early and be with my kids again. Did I do it? I won't even take a show of hands. It'd be depressing, probably. <laughs> I did not. I did not. But I wanted to. I wanted to. Because I, like many of you, don't wait well. I don't wait. I mean, I wanted to get on the ride. I just didn't want to wait for it. What are you waiting for right now? We're all waiting for something. I mean, there's always always something on the horizon. I know, I know. You're waiting for Christmas. I, I get it. You're waiting for Christmas. Some of you are waiting for your health to improve. Some of you are waiting to find a spouse. Some of you are waiting... For your prodigal son or daughter to come to their senses and, and, and come back and repent. Some of you are waiting to fix broken relationships. There's, there's a lot of things that we wait for. Some of you are waiting for the promotion at your job. Hopefully you get that year-end bonus, right? There's a lot of things we wait for. Some of them are good. Some are not so good. Some are essential. Some are just things that got to happen. But we got to wait, Christmas reminds us, Simeon and Anna remind us, that the ultimate thing we wait for is Jesus' return. And we join in with people from the past that are waiting. Many of you are tempted to just do life, you know, just, just do life. Whatever I'm waiting for, whatever's next in line, whatever the next big thing is, I'll just wait for that. And I'll kind of center my life around waiting for that. But some of you know the joy of saying, I know life's not perfect, and life certainly wasn't perfect for them. And I know I'm in like a waiting room. I feel like this life is a waiting room. And it's not a fun waiting room to be in. But if I'm waiting for Jesus, then I've got some amazing things to do in the waiting room of life, and it's not just waiting for good things to start happening to me. I mean, how, how often do you hear that? If I could just catch a few breaks, and I would say, you've caught the biggest break already. If you've got Christ, you've already caught that break. I, I, these all these other breaks are lesser than that. And if I could wait primarily for Jesus' return, it probably helped me wait better for the other things in life that turn this world into a waiting room. So keeping that image in mind, I don't know how you wait in a waiting room. I don't know if you twiddle your thumbs or look at your phone or grab a magazine or look at those crazy kids that are wreaking havoc in there. I don't know. That would be my kids, by the way. I'm just kidding. My kids are good. Um, I don't know what you do in a waiting room. But I know it can be hard. How do we wait like Simeon and Anna? That's what we want to do next. Number one. What do we eat in the waiting room? What do we eat when we're in the waiting room of life? Christmas cookies. Uh, (laughs) Right? We eat like Simeon ate, and we eat like Anna ate, we eat, we get nourished on God's promises. Right? Isn't that what they ate? Isn't that what sustained them? Isn't that, what, isn't that how you get through a guy like Herod, who kills people on a whim, even children? Isn't that how you get through people being crucified? Again, with whatever Rome says isn't that how you get through not having your Messiah and having a bunch of corrupt religious leaders how how do you get through all that if not God's promise that the Messiah will come Isaiah 40 people he's coming he's coming comfort God's people because his, his coming is close that's what they were doing Simeon and Anna were doing we can feed on God's promises. <clears throat> promises like Matthew 28.20, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Promises like John 14.3, Jesus says, I will take you to myself, which sounds a lot like Isaiah 40. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gather you in. A promise like uh, Luke 6.35, Love your enemies and your reward will be great. Maybe the reward in this life or maybe the reward in the next life. But You love your enemies and people that are harsh to you and God's going to reward you. It's a promise. That'll get you through some difficult people if you can love them and know that God is watching and He rewards. 1 Corinthians 15.52 The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. There's a promise for you whose bodies are breaking down. Will be raised imperishable. It's a promise. It's a promise to those that are in pain in their bodies. For those struggling with sin, with feeling like a failure all the time, how about this one? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Sometimes I feel pretty old, and yet God says the new has come. Period, It's a promise. You cling to those things. How about Colossians 3.3, 3, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible? For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. My life hidden in Jesus' life so God doesn't look at me as a disappointment. He looks at me and sees Jesus. I love that verse. It's a promise. This is how God sees me and He'll see me that way Forever. I hope that you feed on these promises. I hope that in your in your mind you're not just looking for the next earthly thrill or buzz. You're not looking for the next roller coaster experience. You know, how quick can I get to the next vacation? Cuz I got to get out of work, you know. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. I hope that's not you. I mean, work may be a drag. I get that. But I hope that that's not the way it is. I hope that you're feeding on God's promises so that the things of this life don't look as spectacular as being with Jesus forever. Secondly, what do we do in the waiting room? Again, do you read the magazines? What do you do? Well, you do what Simeon and Anna did, right? You do righteous Works, righteousness. Right, uh, Simeon is described as righteous and devout. And uh, Anna is described as a prophetess who lives at the temple. This is, we're in verse 36 here. She was married to her husband for seven years. And then after he died, the rest of her years, till she was 84, she just was at the temple worshiping night and day, fasting and praying. And in case you feel like that's a drag, understand that, of course, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in your body. Your body's a temple. So you too can worship night and day. You don't have to go anywhere and you could live like this. What do we do in the waiting room? We do righteous things. We worship. We serve people. We tell people about Christ. We all know how to get ready for Christmas, don't we? I mean like like the physical part of Christmas. You gotta make a couple dozen cookies. You gotta buy gifts. By the way, you only have a couple days left of that. How many of you saw at the shop? Just just curious. Anybody? A couple of you admit it. All right, good job. Some of the rest of you are lying. <laughs> uh, I made a last minute Amazon order a couple days ago. <laughs> you know, you just gotta do that. Uh, you know you've got to make Christmas cookies. You know you've got to send Christmas cards. You know you've got to buy gifts. You've got to clean that house. Get ready for those relatives. Pray that there's no fights. You gotta, there's a lot of things you've got to do. There's a lot of things you've got to do to get ready for Christmas. And we all kind of know how to do that, don't we? We all know you're supposed to send cards. We all know this. You don't have to, of course, but, but we know this is what we do. Do we all know how to wait well for Jesus to come back. Because if we thought Jesus could come back next week, what would you do today? I think you would do today things that would get yourself ready for Jesus' return on December 25th. If he was coming back on the 25th, you'd get yourself ready. There'd be things you'd be doing. Let me just encourage you, the righteous things you do, the things that you don't do, Those are all indications that you're getting ready for His return. That's how you get yourself ready. And there's a whole list of them. I won't list and list. But I'll say this. You do the things that in a million years, in a million years you will still exist. In a million years I think we'll have some sort of memory, I'm sure, on what we did on earth. And in a million years, I'll have wanted to do righteous things that mattered for eternity. And there will be a lot of things in a million years that I'll say, that was kind of useless. It seemed so important at the time. And I hope you live like that too. In a million years, you're going to be with Jesus. You that know Him. You that believe in Him. And you're going to look back on this life and you're going to say, how did I get ready for that? What, was, I, was I really ready? Was I the shepherd in the field like, whoa, terrified? You know, some of us think that we'll get ready when he comes back, right? You know, like when Jesus returns, I mean, I believe in him, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there with him, you know? That's when I'll get serious about Jesus, when he comes back, when I see him. But right now, he's just a part of things. Simeon and Anna show that he is at the center of things. Simeon says, I can die in peace now. I've seen the Messiah. I'm good. You could take me tomorrow. This is the event of my life. I think the opposite is true too. People that are not not expecting Jesus' return don't do righteous things. In fact they do unrighteous things. All right, lastly who is with us in the waiting room? Who's hanging out with us in the waiting room? Answer. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us in the waiting room. That's what this verse teaches. You've got a guy named Simeon, and it just so happens accidentally that he walked into the temple at the exact time that Jesus was there to be circumcised. just so happens. And he says, no, no, we see in the verse that he was moved by the Spirit. Did you see that? This is verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Simeon was told by God that he would see the Messiah, and in the day that it happened, he felt something in his soul that said, go to the temple right now. Go. In the Old Testament, you had the Holy Spirit coming on to people, and they it could leave. Kind of came and went. In the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit living inside you, twenty-four-seven, all the time. You have a constant companion, and so we can be spirit-filled people that have a constant comforter, guide, a constant person that points us to the truth, that's the Holy Spirit living in us. I was super convicted when I saw this. Someone, I forget what pastor asked this question. But when I saw it, I was so convicted. What's better? What's better? Jesus beside you, physically beside you, or the Spirit living within you? What would be better? Jesus beside you or the Spirit within you? Now, if you're anything like me, let's just put all spirituality aside. I'd take Jesus beside me. Wouldn't you? I want to see Him. I want Him to be right here. And yet, Jesus set, Jesus disagrees with me on that. Check it out. Would you turn to uh, John 16, verse 7. I think it's the last place I'll have you go this morning. Actually, we can start in verse 5. Jesus talking about His departure. What's better? Jesus beside you, Spirit within you. John 16, verse 5. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me where of you're going. Because I said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless, you go away, unless I go away, the counsel will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will. So, so you're saying, okay, first of all, you're saying, Jesus, it's good for you to go because I get the Holy Spirit. Why is it good for the Holy Spirit to be given out more fully right here? Well, he'll tell you. When he comes, verse 8, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men don't believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where, where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. It's like the Holy Spirit's doing three really cool things in, with the world. He's convicting the world of sin. When people that don't have Jesus say, man, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus, that's the sign of the Holy Spirit working in them. It's awesome when you see it. That's what it is. A sign of the Holy Spirit is when people realize Jesus is the righteous one. They've never seen him, but yet they read about him in here and the Holy Spirit convinces them that Jesus is the only righteous one that ever lived. You could do righteous works, we talked about those earlier, But they don't compare to Jesus' righteousness. His was perfect. Yours is always going to be tainted by sin. As good as you can be, you've always got sin there. Jesus' is perfect. So they can be convicted that Jesus is the perfect Son of God, perfect in righteousness, even though they've never seen Him. The Holy Spirit convicts people of that. And finally, the Holy Spirit convicts people of judgment because Satan is judged. And I think with that it's like, I don't want to be judged with Satan. I want to give my life to Christ. The Holy Spirit's doing that. Now, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, much more than you can now bear, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on His own. He'll speak only what He hears. He'll tell you what is yet to come. He'll bring, bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father's mind. mine. That's why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you'll see me no more. Then, after a little while, you will see me. That's a prediction of the resurrection, by the way. Um, the Spirit will take what's Jesus' is and show it to you, make it known to you. Would it be better to have one Jesus in the world today? Or would it be better to have millions of Christians with God living inside them? And Jesus' answer is it's much better that each one of you in this room that knows Jesus has the Spirit living in you, than Jesus, one Jesus who is somewhere in the world. This is better. This is bigger. This has bigger impact. We can accomplish so much through Him. Don't look down on the Spirit's power in your life. So friends, that's how you wait well. Some of the ways. Some of the ways Simeon and Anna show us how to wait. Let me close with this idea now. Simeon said, Now you can dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That's what Simeon said. When he he took baby Jesus into his arms, he said, I can die now at peace. Now, maybe I've said this before. I don't remember if I have or not. But, have you ever thought that maybe Simeon was a young guy? And if he was a young guy, what would he be saying right there? I'm a young man, and I've got many years ahead of me. But this is the greatest moment of my life. I mean, we always assume that he's old, because he said, I can die now, and certainly young people don't think about dying, right? Unless they're holding Jesus, maybe. So I I don't know. I I don't know. We're not told. We're told how old Anna is, so that's kind of nailed down. But what he's saying is, this is the event of my life. There's nothing that will be greater than this. I can die a happy man. And so Colossians 3, verse 4 says this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Center your lives around Jesus and his return. Make everything about that. Don't start getting excited about Jesus when he comes back. I mean, I know that's what some of us do. I'll get excited when I see him for real. I mean, I believe in him. How about you get excited now? How about you center your life now? Because when he, who is your life, Jesus is your life. Your life on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He's your life every day. And when he appears, you'll appear with him in glory. You might as well get ready for that now. When I was in my car accident last year, hit a tree, I was in in my van and I was alone, Uh, hit a patch of black ice, and I was okay. But I thought I better get checked out to make sure, you know, physiologically I'm okay. So I went to the doctor's office uh, in Eagle River, and I remember sitting in the waiting room, you know. And I checked in, you know, like I was in an accident, need to see the doctor, make sure I'm okay. I took a seat, and I've never had this happen before, never. But the doctor and his nurse rushed out into the waiting room to see me. Now it wasn't like it wasn't like I was gushing blood, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like I had. Bruises all over, and my arm was bent backwards. That wasn't the case. I looked normal. I just said I was in a bad accident, and I took my seat, and I waited like everybody else in that room. But then the, the, the doctor rushes out, and he, remember, he sits down beside me, like, I've never had this happen. I like this. This is good care. <laughs> no offense, doctors, please. No offense. <laughs> That's a really good doctor, though. So. The doctor sat down beside me. And asked, like, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. I just want to wanna do a test to make sure I don't have a concussion. Well, I had a mild concussion. He took me to the back and uh, ran some tests. It would be embarrassing in the waiting room to do that, right? Didn't want to do that in the waiting room. So he took me back. But, you know, one day, one day Jesus will rush into our waiting room. And you're not going to know it. You're going gonna, to gonna be expecting it, but not. I mean, he's coming in an hour you don't know. But some of us are going to be like, well, of course, there he is. I was waiting for this. And some of you will be like, oh, my goodness. I was waiting for that promotion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. I was waiting to graduate. I was waiting to get my wedding date it was in two days. What? But some of you, <laughs> it's got to happen to somebody. Just, just saying. I, I, and that's. don't think I'm being funny, though, because that's biblical. You know, there's a verse where Jesus says, Just like in the days of Noah, men will be getting married and being given in marriage. That's in the Bible. People are going to be getting married, and it's going to go on like normal, and then suddenly, boom, he comes back. You know? You thought it was in two days. No, he came back tonight. He's going to rush in, and some of you are going to be like the shepherds and be like, ah! (laughs) Sorely afraid, and yet really cool, because he's coming to get you. And some of you will be like, This is the best event of my life. And whatever category you fall in, he will gather you as sheep. He will gather all believers as sheep. If you haven't trusted in him for salvation, if you haven't given your life to the shepherd, please consider doing that this morning. He died for you on a cross. He loves you. Worship team, would you come up? We'll sing one more song. Jesus, Good Shepherd, I am thankful and we are thankful this morning that so many of us in this room right now are your sheep. We know your voice. Some of us are looking forward to the day you come back, and that's, we know that is the event of our lives. We that, are around, we that are around for that, that will be the event of our lives. We don't know the day or the hour. You've chosen not to tell us that. But would you help us get ready for that? Would you help us to live lives expecting that? Would you cause Christmas to be a time of the year that shakes us up and reminds us, this is what we're waiting for. They were waiting for a baby. We're waiting for the conquering all-powerful Savior, the Shepherd who gathers us. Jesus, we pray this all in your name. Amen. I feel like the shepherds got the short end of the stick this morning. <laughs> they're not bad people. They're, they're really great people, actually. Um, and, and they may have been expecting the Messiah to be born. Actually, we're not told. But we are told two wonderful people named Simeon and Anna who serve as our examples. They were the expectant ones, and I hope that each of us are as well. Uh, consider staying for a cup of coffee downstairs. Uh, talk a little bit. Sunday school is happening at uh, 1045 for the adults right here. We'll discuss the sermon. And uh, then kids' Sunday school starts at 1030, except for that boys' class. Remember that? Otherwise, we'll see a lot of you Christmas Eve, 5 o'clock. All right, let's pray. Jesus, as we go into uh, the week of Advent, man, the week... We just ask your blessing on our holiday gatherings. Ask your blessing on family getting together to celebrate the birth of the Savior. Would you bless those gatherings? Make them joyful. Make them peaceful. May we talk about Jesus. May we talk about the important things. May our celebration please you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for two awesome examples of how to wait well in righteousness in being spirit-filled, in being worship-filled. Oh, we, just, we want to be like that. In being driven by promises that you have made, knowing that you keep every word that you have said. We thank you for your reliability. We thank you that you are truth. We thank you that we know you. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas.